It's time! Drew Doherty and John Harris have their white coats and their goggles on, and they're ready to talk Texans in a different sort of way. Uh, let's go in the lab. I'm Drew Doherty. Got my good pal, John Harris. John! Texans are 3-0. and Well, yeah, in the last three. Hey, can, right. along those lines, hi, Drew, how are you? I'm good. You? Uh, I saw this tweet today. A good friend, a, a good Ivy Leaguer. Yeah. I saw it was on with our, our friends, uh, Mad Radio, in the morning. Matt Damon? He's an Ivy Leaguer. Yeah. No, he's not. He doesn't count. He's not an Ivy Leaguer. He went, to MIT, he went to MIT, actually. I thought he went to Harvard. Oh, maybe he did. I don't know. I don't I don't claim him. Anyways, I derailed your idea. Sorry. Our buddy Ross Tucker, I guess, was on this morning, oh, yeah. and uh, he said, this is the weakest three-game winning streak ever. And my first thought was, oh, no, we're going to drop in the polls. And then I went, well, wait, that's right, no polls. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? There's no pretty show, wins. Show me, there's no show, ugly wins. Yeah, exactly. You said, you made show, the me the strongest, show me the strongest three-game losing streak, and I'll show you a team that's 0-3, like mm-hmm. this team started. Uh-huh. Don't yeah. care. You lost Don't the, care whether it's weak, strong, whatever. Defending AFC champs in the first week of the season. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so, anyways, let's focus on some good things that have been going on for the Houston Texans. Hey, before we get going, though, please check us out on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. And while you're there, we'd love it if you left us some comments, a star rating, because, hey, we want to get better. We want you to love us. Most of all, though, we just want you to listen. And I said 3-0 and over the last three weeks. I said 3-0, and but that's the last three weeks. Yeah, last three weeks. Turnover differential combined in that span, John, plus one, and you've been even in two of those games, and you got plus one in a third. So yeah. you're plus one in those three. Yep. You know what it was the first three weeks of the season, John? Oh, God, I don't even want to Combined, know. Combined, minus two. Minus two, John. You're but, actually, Drew, is you're it actually that positive. simple? You're is actually, it that simple from a turn? Yeah, it actually is. I'm you're actually positive against the Patriots, but you lost. And yep. then, then you're really you're below sea level on the other two. Oh, God. So it's, uh, it's just something to keep in mind. And on the season, they're minus one, which is a tie for 20th. But over the last three, they've they've gotten takeaways, which is key because they've they've still turned it over. But they've gotten an equal amount of takeaways, and they've scored off one of them. So yep. that's been huge. All right, but I want to focus on the special teams because you know I like to focus on the special teams. You and I over the years, we've gotten to be close with guys like long snapper John Weeks, yep. with punter Shane Leckler, who used to be here, uh, love him, all that stuff. Johnson Batamosi is a new guy that we yep. like that we love. He's been playing out of his mind, and you don't see it in stats, but this guy is down there, it seems like, you know, a yard away from the punt returner almost every, yeah, time. every time. He's, he's doing a good job. I looked up at one point on uh, one of one of Daniel's punts that wasn't muffed or whatever. It was just a standard punt. And I looked up at the end of the play, and I saw Johnson Batamosi and Mike Tyson had kept their gunner Essentially, at the line of scrimmage, the entire punt oh, yeah. return, the entire punt well, return. We, yeah, we were punting. Yeah, I was like, "What the heck? That, that's almost impossible to do." Yeah, and they did it. Yeah, that was they. The, the special teams have been have been really, really good. And, and you know, unfortunately, I you know I thought about it as I was driving today. I feel like each of the three units has won a game, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Sure. I feel like in Indianapolis, the offense won that football game. Because it was a shootout. Defense needed some help. Offense gave it to them. I feel like against Dallas, I felt like the offense did enough, but that really was about the defense. You held 
Ezekiel Elliott to 50-some yards. Like, you got to hang your hat on the defense on that one. I feel like this last win was about special teams. And I find the the irony in some sense in that the first three games, you could point to one game and say, okay, game game one against New England, your defense gave you some turnovers, the offense – you know, struggled a little bit, and special teams were really good. Mm-hmm. Then in game two, the special teams were abysmal because they gave up that fake punt, and then Trevor hit that punt in the end zone. The special teams were not that good in that game. Yeah. Really, the only game the special teams not been good. The special teams were not good in that game. The defense was pretty good all day, yep. and the offense woke up in the second half. In game three, I don't know that you could say anything really worked, but the special teams were good that day. But offense, defense, especially defense, kind of off its off its game a little bit. So it's almost like in the three wins, you could c- contribute the win to each of the three units. Yep. In the losses, you could do the same thing as well. Like there's a unit that sort of stuck out as the the sore thumb, if you will. Yeah. In those three losses as well. So, but the special teams in general, other than that game against Tennessee, I think they've been fantastic. They really have. They're really, really good. And Rivers McCown, he writes for the Athletic. He's been around. You know, he's a Houstonian. He's a very level-headed guy. He wrote a really good article about the special teams. Kind of did a, a deeper dive on it. Um, and I, I suggest you check it out. I tweeted about it. He did a good job. But here's just a few things to point out and to remember from what we've seen. Tyrell Adams. Who? Well, we just signed him. Uh, the Texans just signed him about a week and a half ago. Yeah, about two weeks ago, yeah. Comes in, he blocks a punt. It's the first punt block since the very first regular season game of mm-hmm. Bill O'Brien's career here. And who blocked it? Alfred Blue. His and returned game. it for a touchdown. Yep, his against first the Redskins. game as well. Yeah. Yes. So first time in, what, five years you've had a punt block. Um, you've now had two takeaways on special teams in addition to the punt block. So you get that muff fumble that Batamosi fell on in New yep. England. You get the muff fumble that uh, Scarlett falls on this week. Plus, yep. you get the the block punt. That doesn't count as a, a turnover. That doesn't count as a takeaway, but it essentially is. Also, you forced a fumble on the kickoff, mm-hmm. on the opening kickoff of the game. Yep. Uh, Buddy Howell went down and tackled Ray Ray McLeod, knocked the ball out, but the yep. Bills were able to get back on it. And it was, you know, it was one of those things when you have a turnover in the first play of the game, the, the, the very first play, not even like the offense had one at New England on their first offensive play. I'm talking the very first play of the kickoff. There's a fumble. It's like you haven't even kind of settled in. And all of a sudden I'm, you know, in, you know, in Mark's ear going, balls out in, you know, first play of the game. And I was like, man, you get on that thing. Yeah. You can start that thing going. But they've, they've really done, they've done such a great job. And I, I really just, I hate that Tennessee game happened because everybody kind of will hear us talk about special teams. Yeah, but Drew and John. Yeah, but, yeah, but. It's a yeah, long season, man. It is. You're going to have, you're going to have bad games. Yeah. And you had a bad moment. Yeah. You had a bad moment in that one, and it came back to to bite you in the backside a little bit, and that's unfortunate because I think I think Brad Seeley and Tracy Smith have done just a really good job. I think the personnel has improved on special teams. I think these guys and Bill O'Brien talked about that with us, Drew, on his coach's show. He talked about understanding, you know, guys understanding their role, yeah. their role. That's it's humbling if you think about it. You've been the guy, and I'm not I'm not coming up with this theory myself. A few different players have said this week. You were the man yeah. in high school. You were the man in college at yep. a very high level for most of these guys. Yep. Now, many of them, most of them, they're brought down like six or seven pegs in life. And it's pretty clear, if I'm going to make it in this league, I'm going to have to do it on special teams because 
I'm just not going to get that shot probably on offense or defense. You, you've gotten guys that are buying in. And, and one more thing that, that uh, McCown pointed out, the only guy who is on a roster right now off of last year's special teams unit, basically that, that has been let yeah. go from this team, is Corey Moore in Indianapolis. The rest of those guys that played the bulk of the snaps on special teams for the Texans last year, they're not on an NFL roster, so there's been a big turnover, and it's like what you're talking about. Part of that you can attribute to guys buying in. Yep. That's a very humbling thing to do that after you've been, you know, your legs have been chopped off, really, as far as your ego goes. Yeah, there's no question. And you said it. When guys are coming from college, they think, you know, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the guy in the NFL. I was in college, so why shouldn't I be in the NFL as well? And it, it doesn't, it doesn't always work that way. No, uh, obviously. I mean, you just do the math on it. It, it can't work that way. And, I, and the guy that I thought about that really sort of crystallized. I came in here after the game in our studio, and this is where uh, Sean Pendergast, Paul Gallant, and now Cecil Shorts is on our post game yeah. show, which is great because I walked in the studio and I could see four guys. And I'm like, okay, Sean, Paul. All right, I see that's Brandon Scarlett. Oh, it's Cecil. Oh, man, what am I thinking? So, anyways, uh, Scar was in here, and he was talking with the guys, and he, he had, what, two? He had he had the fumble recovery, and then he had the he had the uh, block block punt that he, recovery, that he picked yeah. up. And it's like, Scar's a guy I think a lot about because he's had to play a lot on defense, especially last year, he had mm-hmm. to play a lot on defense. So, he got a lot of run on defense. But yet, this year, with having Clowney back and having Merciless back – those reps, and then, of course, Duguay Force stepped up. Those reps aren't readily available for him on defense. And it's not as if Brennan's, like, tucked his tail and just be like, oh, you know. No, he's I, flourished, if anything. I he's mean, gone he on special teams flourished. and found a way to make an impact on a team. And I think that's – that's it, it, it's interesting because that was where the question that I posed to Bill O'Brien came from because I listened to him talk about it, and I could tell he was talking about it with such pride that – I wanted to ask Bill O'Brien about it. He that was the one thing he said before I could even kind of get further with the question was, yeah, these guys are accepting their roles of being on special teams, and yeah. I think that more than anything else, I think for a team to be successful, it doesn't mean guys don't compete for jobs, but if guys don't have a defensive starting spot or a key defensive spot or a key offensive spot, depending on what position they play. How can you contribute to the team? Yeah. What is it that, as part of the 53-man roster, what can you contribute to this team every week? Maybe it's just going against J.J. Watt every day in practice, and that gets you better, but it gets J.J. better. It's almost Who a, knows? It's almost a philosophical slash theological uh, discussion because it's in some like, sense, yeah. uh, this is not my role in life that I want, but right. this is the role in life that I'm best suited for. Do I flourish and do the best uh, in this role, or do I mope and let not just my performance, but the performance around me of, of those sure. relying on me sag as well. So, uh, yeah, that's no, cool stuff. No, you're you're absolutely right about that. I think there's I think there's a a very psychological aspect to that too. Like, how do I how do you find players that are going to have that mindset? When that's you why sit you down and talk to them, and that's why agency. you hit and that's why you hit and miss in the draft. That's yeah, why you absolutely. see so many hits and misses in the draft. It's absolutely because there's. We're all con men to a degree. We're all on the <laughs> we're all con men. They're all on the spectrum of being a con man. Some of us barely, some of us all the way, some of us in the middle yeah. of sorts. And you can get away in a job interview with saying some things yep. because those those folks don't know you so well. Yeah. Um, when they're they're trying to find things out, I just almost got a mosquito in the studio. I mean, I'm still in, I'm still in that realm of fooling people. So yeah. I mean, I'm kind of I'm kind of there. I'm I'm right there with you. Exactly. All right, let's. 
let's fast forward, John. Okay. Let's move ahead. And before we do, I'm going to find when I, next time I see Tracy Smith in, in the hall, he's one of the assistants on uh, yeah. special teams. Where if I see Coach Seeley in the hall, I want to ask them this: Is Trevor Daniels punt? Does it spin something differently? I mean, is there something because there's guys it seems like they're having problems with his punts. Anyways, I kind of like that. Yeah, I'm I'm going to ask that, and I know that's really weird, and I'm I'm going on a deep dive here, but. It's okay. Let's move ahead because the Jaguars, they don't really care about the special teams. They do, but they don't care about our discussion. Nah. And this is who is coming up for you. So, John, we're going to play a little game here where I'm going to give you a stat, mm-hmm. and I'm going to have you tell me whether or not the Texans or the Jaguars are the stat. This team, John, to start off, All right. is 19th in yards per play in the NFL at 5.69. Am I the Jags or am I the Texans? 19th in yards per play. Yeah. I'm going to say that's the Texans, and I'll tell you why I say that. The Texans are one of the leaders in the league at plays, total plays. Mm -hmm. They were at least going into the game the other day. They're one of the leaders in the league at total plays. So I'm just doing a math dive on this, thinking they're down at 19. I say say down. They're at 19 because they've run so many plays. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm going. I'm going Texans. You're actually wrong. You're close because – that was 5.69 at 19. Texans are 5.66, so they're 21st in the league. So these teams are... So my logic actually applies in some sense. These teams are very close in that regard. Yep. Think about it. you got Deshaun Watson, who I think we all characterize as a guy who's very explosive, gets the ball down the field, does some great things. They're they're getting downfield evidently mm. as as well, or they're, they're getting good chunk plays. Uh, because they have fewer plays. Yes, because they have fewer plays. Okay, this team is 11th in the NFL in yards per game on offense at 388.8. Am I the Texans or am I the Jags? 11th in the league in offense. I think the Texans are higher overall, although last week was going to drop them a peg. Uh I'm going to say that's Jacksonville. John, Jacksonville gets 371 yards per Mm -hmm. play. They're 16th. The Texans are 11th at 388.8. This is a tricky little I thought they were a little higher. I, I know they were a little higher. I'm, I, and basically the point of this whole little exercise is these teams are very, very evenly matched, just numbers-wise, stats-wise, okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they're, they're, they're the mirror images of each other. I'm just saying it's interesting in, in all these things. Okay, points per game. This team is scoring 18.2 points per game. Which is it, John? Man, I could do the math a lot. Watch, I'm going to do the math on this really quick. 27. Plus 17 is 44, plus 22 is 66, 66 plus 37 is 103, 103 plus 19 is 122, 122 plus 20 is 142, 142 divided by 6 is over 20, so that's got to be the Jaguars. It is, 18.2 points per game, that's 29th in the league. Texans are 21st, they're scoring about 22.5 per game, so that's an interesting thing. First big difference, you're scoring about four more points per game than these guys. All right, now let's go over to the defense because I think we can both agree, both these teams right now, you can hang your hat on some pretty darn good defensive efforts. Yes. Okay? You know, and I'm not even going to quiz you on this, you know that, that the Jags are second in the league in yards per game allowed. Yeah, there's an interesting tweet I want to read to you in a little bit. Is this the Gosselin one? Yeah, did yeah. you send this? I did, I That's did. a pretty amazing tweet. Yeah. We'll get to that in a second. Okay. Rick Gosselin, by the way, I used to work kind of, kind of with him in a, in a sense – we would have him on the show that we produced in Dallas. Yeah, yeah. I, I consider him one of up with John McClain, you know, one of the NFL writers, best NFL writers around. Uh, all right, John, 
Rushing yards per game. This team is 10th best in the NFL at rushing yards allowed per game. Rushing and yards allowed. 95.8. That's the Texans. That's right. You know what? You can run on the Jags to a degree. 118.7. They're 22nd in the league. They're getting away with it there. All right, let's flip things over, though. Against the pass, this team's giving up 187.8 yards per game. That's the Jags. They're first in the NFL in that yep. regard. That's uh, that's their best. best. I guess that's the, the stat they can hang their hat on the, the best. 187. Yep. And it makes sense. they got a ferocious pass rush, and they got the two best corners, I think, in the game. Uh, for Best corner tandem, for sure. Yep. Okay, point differential per game, John. They average... Almost minus three, meaning other teams are outscoring them by three points. Who is that? That's the Jags. Yeah, that's the Jags. They're twenty first in the league. Yeah, they've they lost thirty to fourteen, lost forty to seven. So that accounts for now they beat the Patriots by eleven. So and they beat the Jets by I think nineteen or twenty or something like that. That was the last win. That was in that was down in uh, the bank as they call it, TIA Stadium. And they had to score two points at the end of the game, which was a little controversial. But they haven't won since then, so I don't know. Football gods smiting them maybe for doing something like that. But either way, the um, the that's where the differential comes from. Whereas for us, lost by seven, lost by three, lost by five, one by three, one by three, one by seven. We've been close every game. Yeah. So I, mean, I think I think we're a negative differential. It just points. I think it's minus two if my math is right. Yep. I think we're minus two from that perspective. So over six games, it amounts to like zero point three points that we're you know that we trail in that sense. But we've played close games. All six have been close games. It's been frustrating because I don't think we have played the game that we're capable of playing. But Jacksonville has played blowout, 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 win or lose. Yeah, they've all they've all been that way. There, I don't think they've had a close game. And because of that, they've allowed an average of twenty one point. Game, points per game, 21.0 points per game. That's ninth in the league. Texans, though, are not far off that. They've only allowed 22.8 points per game. That's 11th in the league. So I'm not going to go through all these stats. Like, but basically, my point is these teams are very – they're eerily similar yeah. statistically, yet when you look at how they've won and lost, they couldn't be more different. Yeah, exactly. It's funny. I saw – I saw one of the Texans coaches. Did you get him? Got him. Got, Got him. Mosquito, yeah. yeah, he's bothering me over here too, so mm-hmm. take one for the team. I saw one of the Texas coaches the other day, and I was kind of talking about uh, the game against Buffalo, and I started talking about the game against Jacksonville, and he said, you know, it's going to be similar to this one. And when you think about it, when you really think about it, that's true. Buffalo and Jacksonville are very, very similar, with the exception of Bortles has more experience than Josh Allen or Nathan Peterman, and he's won some big games in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But other than that, they're pretty they're pretty similar. Um, they, it's a that, – that, when Listen, you think- you, you're the only person, and you said it last week on this very podcast, you're the only person that was really pointing out how damned good that yeah. Buffalo defense was. And we saw it. I mean, that yeah. was a ferocious defense. And you know ferocious. What, you know what also, too, and I, and I think this is starting to kind of show its show itself a little bit with Jacksonville. You know, the one, and, and it's similar with Buffalo. 2017 Jacksonville defense and 2018 Buffalo defense are pretty similar to me. They've got a star corner, Jalen Ramsey, Tredavious White. Now, I think A.J. Boye is better than Philip Gaines, but they got a star corner. They're good. At, they're really solid at safety. I think the one difference between the two teams, though, is Jacksonville is a little bit more athletic. 
but Buffalo's way more disciplined. Mm-hmm. So the things that you can maybe get away with against Jacksonville just because they're undisciplined, you're not going to get away with Buffalo. But yeah. you'll be able to take advantage of some of their holes athletically on that side of the ball. But 2017 Buffalo or 2017 Jacksonville, 2018 Buffalo, no injuries. None. They were fresh in the fourth quarter. They were rotating their lines. Like one defensive line would go in, one defensive line would go out, and they would just rotate. They were fresh as could be. They're, that's not, why fresh. they're really... not fresh anymore because Calais Campbell no, went down. Jacksonville's not. That's what Jacksonville's I'm saying. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Calais Campbell went down against Dallas. Yep. Two games ago, Jalen Ramsey had to leave the game for a little bit. Right. He played banged up last week. So right. you're not getting Jalen Ramsey at full-on Jalen Ramsey level right now. So that's where you could maybe make some hay against this and, Jaguars and, team. Uh, yeah, and and you hope that's the case. I mean, Jalen was dragging his leg around a little bit in the second half the other day, and you don't know what's going to happen there. And Clays did come back in the game and played, so who's to say? But that defense still, even with that, the point being in 2017 with Jacksonville, everybody, yeah, Jacksonville def- the Jacksonville defense was great. But when you have the same group week after week after week after week, play after play after play after play, your team can get better. Mm-hmm. It can get better, especially when you have explosive athletes like that. They were on the field together. Yeah. They were on the field every damn play with each other. And that's going to make you better. I don't care who you got. In this league, if you can stay injury-free, you are you got a shot. I don't care what you, you have going on. You have a shot. Yeah. Even the Bills, with a, a really difficult quarterback situation, they've got a shot because they're staying healthy. Now, theirs is across the board in the team. But even with Jacksonville's offense last year, they didn't lose much. Yep. But this year, they've already lost Cam Robinson. They, uh, they're under, they had lost the backup tackle. So now they're under third tackle, who used to be a backup guard here, Josh Walker. Right. So they're now Fournette's, Fournette's been out. Yeah. Uh, so they've suffered from injuries. And so now they're seeing what life is like when you got to go to your depth. And obviously, the last couple of weeks, it's not, it's not been very good. So... The Texans are not obviously 100% healthy, but knock on wood, the, the stars, the guys that – the starters, those guys are staying healthy. It's impacted your depth. I would love think to have Dylan it. Cole. I'd love to have Aaron Colvin, Brian Peters on special teams, but you just don't. So Think, think about it. you got to go. Last time you were in Jacksonville, you didn't have Deshaun Watson. You didn't have J.J. Watt. You didn't have Whitney Merciless. Nick Martin got hurt in the third quarter. Yep. Um, D.J. Reader got hurt, I yeah, think, late. I think late he got hurt in that game. So – you had a, you were without a lot. Basically, number you didn't have you didn't have, Ty, you you didn't didn't have, have Tyron Matthew. You didn't have Tyron Matthew. You didn't have game. Justin Reed. You had a completely different offense. Kareem line. Jackson was playing corner. Zach Fulton was a chief. Mm-hmm. Sunil Calamete was a saint. I mean, you know, Julian was not starting at that point. Obviously, Kendall was not playing at that point. So um, that to me, again, you know, those guys are going to get it. Uh, they're going to get it again with. Yannick Ngakwe in particular. I think Ngakwe is the one guy. I mean, Malik Jackson, Clay Campbell is very difficult to block. But I think a guy like Julian, we'll see how he fares against him with those long arms. I mean, I'm, I'm sure Campbell's going to try and power through. And Gakwe's the dude. And Gakwe's the one that worries me because he kind of the way that he kind of contorts his body and lines up with the line of scrimmage, it looks weird. But man, he's got so much pop and explosiveness off the ball; it's nuts. And he just and he knows it too. Yeah. And he tries to ruin everybody that he goes against. I mean, I'm not talking just defense, offensive tackles. He tries to ruin quarterbacks when he gets back there. He tried to hop on Dak Prescott's back as he was throwing a ball one time. And I was like, who does that? Yeah. That dude does. So, Ngakwe is the one guy to me that worries me probably more than anybody not named Ramsey on that defense. You never worry me, John, because you always deliver the goods I appreciate it, on brother. this In the Lab podcast. It's fun being with you. I can't wait to go to Jacksonville. The Texans are 3-3. Three and three. And you know what? 
we got the quarterback, all right? He's not 100%, but we got him. Yep. And anytime he's on the field, we have a chance in the Texans. Yep, all no right. matter what. Thank you, John. You got it, brother. 